Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadiens Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hey everyone, welcome to the Canadiens Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. We're coming off a bye week with the uh, NHL draft taking place last week, but we're happy to be back. This is episode 40 of this very uh, Canadians Connection podcast, the Yol Armia edition, and uh, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by the Yol Armia to my Max LaPierre, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? Well, listen, um, I think we're both a little under the weather today, and uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but glad to be here. It, it was great to see you in, in Vancouver, and, and I understand, uh, yeah, it's it kind of suspicious. We both come back from the draft and, and, uh, and not feeling well, but uh, one, of these, one of these podcasts, I'm going to talk about uh, airplane etiquette. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I was on an uh, overnighter red eye from Vancouver to Toronto, and there's a guy across the aisle, one seat back, who just kept coughing and hacking, and I kept feeling uh, it was it was yeah, it wasn't a fun flight, and uh, yeah, a little under the weather today, but but we're gonna persevere. Yeah, absolutely, that's what we do on this podcast. We we persevere, we get through it, we battle, and uh, yeah, just a little bit of a, a bit of a cough that I have going on, but. That's what we do here. Um, but we've got a, a big show lined up here. And uh, obviously, yeah, it was uh, it was great seeing you in Vancouver, as well as the whole Rocket Sports team. And the NHL draft is going to be a focus on this podcast. And we're going to get to that a little bit later on in the show, as well as the Habs development camp. And of course, uh, free agency, which is looming large uh, over the next uh, 48 hours that remains until uh, that opens up. But before we get into any of that, this is a, a live podcast. And, Rick, would you like to tell the uh, lovely listeners where they could reach us if they choose to do so? Of course. Um, uh, you can, you can, uh, this is a live podcast, and you can call into the studio if you wish. Our studio number is 213-943-3754. That's 213-943-3754. Uh, we know that a lot of you, uh, a lot, and it's it's actually growing, uh, our audience, um, uh, like to listen on demand. And if you're listening on demand, text us. Text us anytime, 24 hours a day uh, at the Rocket Sports text line. The Rocket Sports text line is 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. So, yeah, you can feel free to reach us at those numbers if you choose to do so. But... Before we get into any of the things that I just mentioned, we also have a bit of Habs news that came out about a former Montreal Canadian guy that won three Stanley Cups and three Selkie trophies that is entering the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, with the class of 2019, and that would be Guy Carboneau. And uh, obviously, uh, he's the 59th Canadian uh, to be inducted uh, to the Hockey Hall of Fame and going along alongside the likes of Haley Wickenheiser, Sergei Zubov, and uh, Vaclav Nedimansky, uh that will be inducted in November. Uh, so uh, what were your thoughts on, on Guy Carboneau getting inducted into the hall? 
congratulations to Guy, one of the great uh, defensive players um, uh, ever for the, the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and, um, you know, we, we recall the, his uh, assignment uh, against Wayne Gretzky and, and uh, how effective he was um, for that playoff series. Um, and uh, listen, I, I, uh, I'm on record as quibbling with Guy uh, a fair bit when he was uh, head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, but as a player, uh, not, much to, uh, not much to quibble about there. Um, I know that, that online many are comparing him to uh, Alex McGillney and, and uh, saying that uh, McGillney should have uh, uh, received the nomination. And uh, I, listen, I'm not going to compare players. I'm not going to complain about anything. I'll just um, I, I'll put this in the words of, of my brother, who says that overall the, um, the quality of the, the uh, inductee class has has kind of um, eh, it's gone down over the years, and and we're we're to the stage uh, of the, we should be calling it the hall of the pretty good, um, yeah. And so uh, that that's all I'm going to say about that. But um, uh, congratulations to uh, all of the uh, the inductees, and and uh, we'll see that ceremony in the fall. Yeah, and we look forward to seeing that, uh, of course, for. Well, another Montreal Canadian that's that's joining uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, so I guess we'll dive in with uh, some Habs news that uh, that came out uh, this past week, and and just recently, uh, a couple of days ago, the Montreal Canadiens uh, they signed Mike Riley to a two-year contract that's worth three million. Um, that was a little bit of a of a questionable signing, I guess I'll say, uh, but I'll, I'll turn things over to you. What were, what were your thoughts on Mike Riley being extended for two years? Um, you know, frankly, I don't, I don't understand it. Mike Riley, uh, didn't play well. He was kind of, uh, supplanted, uh, by Folan and, uh, spent a good portion of the, uh, the time towards the end of the season in the press box. And he fully deserved to be there. Um, I know that Mark Bergevin believes you can never have too much uh, defensive depth. Uh, I, I, I think you can because <laughs> what happens is, um, you know, as we saw last season, um, that uh, some of that so-called depth gets pushed down to Laval, and then those players take the place of your true prospects that you should be developing, and they don't get the ice time that they need. Uh, in Laval, we saw, you know, uh, Carl Alsner, we, we saw Xavier Ouellette, we saw Simone Dupre, we saw uh, uh, Victor Meta for a couple of games, um, it, it, and, and it, it negatively affected um, guys like uh, Brett Lernow and, and uh, yeah. Splanichka, and, and uh, uh, so I, I, don't, I don't like it. Also, the other part of it is... Um, the chipping away at the Canadians, um, you know, uh, a month ago, uh, there was a lot of talk about um, how much cap room the, the Canadians had going into the off season. And they're going to be able to sign free agents at will. And they were going to have, they were going to be able to weaponize the, the salary cap by buying out contracts and getting as they did with Yol Armia. Um, and all of that, uh, 
extra room has kind of got uh, shriveled away, and um, Canadians, um, they have Lekanen and Armia to sign, and um, beyond that, if they want to bring in a free agent, which we'll get to later, um, they're going to have to they're going to have to make space. So whether it's uh, Paul Byron or Andrew Shaw, or um, so it's you know you're going to have you're going to have Carl Olsner, um, you're going to have uh, Matthew Pekka, you're going to have Nicholas Deloria, you're going to have Dale Weiss, all of those people, and maybe Mike Riley, who are eating up cap space that. Um, aren't really contributing to the lineup. And I, I should say we had news um, just before we went on. Um, and that is that um, Carl Alsner was not placed on unconditional uh, waivers uh, at noon today. Uh, that is news because that means uh, today was the window for the unconditional waivers. And of course, unconditional waivers is the step before the buyout so it's clear that not that it would have made financial sense but we have um a uh, a clear uh answer to the to the question is carl elsner going to be bought out this uh this season and the answer is no to that um so there's going to have to be another solution found whether it's uh via trade and and withholding salary or, or uh, placing him uh, in Laval as a mentor again, as he did last year. Yeah, and, and here's my thing with, with Mike Riley, and, and there are those that don't seem to be that bothered by this signing. It's depth, it's, it's whatever. You're paying him 1.5 per the next two years. That is, ma- that is valuable money. And, and the thing is, is when you look at who they've signed since the season ended, you re-sign Jordan Wheel, which, hey, okay, that's all right. 1.4, not too bad. You sign Nate Thompson, get another veteran center back who wins about 50% of his face-offs. That's not too bad to have around. But at some point, if you keep giving this money out, as you say, the money that was going to be allocated to improve this team in, in any way is gone out the window. And I, and, and you said it. You, you have Lekkinen and Armia, who are the two more valuable RFAs that the Habs have that we haven't even really heard anything about yet. And they're signing Mike Riley. I mean, Mike Riley played in three of the last 21 games of the season. And two of those games were probably the most embarrassing losses of the season for this Canadians team. The six, three loss to Toronto where they were up three, nothing and gave up six unanswered. And then the eight to two loss to Anaheim. And that's not all on Mike Riley. But given that he didn't play after the 8-2 to loss to Anaheim, it might suggest that he had a little bit to do with it. And the Montreal Canadiens, after that, were more or less a fairly decent team heading down the stretch drive to the playoffs, which they ultimately fell short. And that's the key part here. They're retaining all of these parts of a team that fell short, that wasn't good enough to get into the playoffs. I, I can't possibly fathom what is going through the mind of Mark Bergevin when you have at least a decent amount of money to go and improve this team and all that we've seen is is retaining parts of it that didn't really play a role but hey they were a part of it so we might as well bring them back it it just it doesn't really make sense to me and 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 as you say I mean we're, we're not even thinking about the future and the fact that next year Max Domi's probably due for a raise year after that, 
you've got Brendan Gallagher on a team-friendly deal, that's coming up. You're probably going to have to pay him a decent amount of money as well. So it, 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 it's just it, – it, it causes more questions than, than it really provides any answers for what Mark Bergevin's trying to do. And if you're scoring at home, um, that's now 14 signings in the offseason <laughs> and, 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 and all, all our fringe signings. And, and uh, you know, I know that, that um, some, many of those are going to be uh, in Laval or uh, may end up in the ECHL, but um, that's where Mark Bergevin has uh, placed his, his focus uh, 14 fringe signings so far, and and let's let's be honest that um, numbers aren't Mark Bergevin's thing. We know that. <laughs> no, we know that. Not not just yeah. because of what he's done and and his his record as as uh, um, the a Montreal Canadiens GM, but but remember the words of Stan Bowman uh, when Mark was hired, and and that was uh, as GM of, of the Canadians, and Stan said, listen. Um, Mark will freely admit that um, numbers aren't his thing. Uh, he doesn't understand the salary cap. Um, and I, I, I know there are people around him. I know there are people advising, uh, but he hasn't been one to accept a lot of advice in the past. And, and uh, um, you know, I, I'm not going to be critical of, of his grade 11 education, but uh, these were all concerns when he was hired. These were all issues when he was hired that he isn't a numbers guy uh, and he didn't get the, the salary cap. So um, we're seeing some of that, some of that kind of play out. Yeah. And uh, there are cheaper alternatives, by the way, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to resign all of these guys and give them significant terms. So anyways, we'll, we'll move well, on. Uh, we'll move uh, on okay. And, and all right, you did it. You did, you did yeah. it, Joseph. You triggered me because that's that's the issue, right? There yeah. are cheaper alternatives, and the alternatives are within the organization. Mm-hmm. Within the organization, that's that's what prospects are for. That's that's you should be filling holes. You sh- should be filling um, the complementary uh, roles on your team with with your own guys that who are who are cheap. Um, that's how you, you effectively manage a, um, a salary cap. Not only that, that's how you graduate prospects. That's how you manage a, a prospect pool and you maximize those good picks that Trevor Timmons and Shane Sherla and, and the entire scouting uh, have done. And we see it with um, Jakob De La Rose, who could have easily uh, filled in, um, who could have been an effective fourth liner and, and, um, Instead, the, the Canadians struggled. Uh, you heard Claude Julien complain about the fourth line all season until Nate Thompson was brought in, and then he's yeah. resigned, and, and Jordan Wheel. And, and that, those may not look like big contracts, but they add up, and that's yeah. where you need to be using your own in-house talent. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, this is something that's been going on for quite a while, and, and it's, it's, it was pretty – easy to see that it was probably going to continue early on this off season when, when you re-sign Thompson and you re-sign wheel. And now that we've re- we're at the point where you re-sign Mike Riley, who didn't play in 18 of the last 21 games, giving him 3 million over two. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. So anyways, uh, speaking of Habs prospects and hopefully guys that might graduate <laughs> into a Canadian's uniform at some point down the line, 
we have Cam Hillis, who kind of took a back seat to, uh, to Nick Suzuki with the Guelph Storm as they were making their, uh, their run through the OHL playoffs and the Memorial Cup. But uh, Cam Hillis was named the captain of the Guelph Storm uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, so a little bit of good news for, uh, for another Habs prospect. And uh, did you have any thoughts on, on Cam Hillis? Uh, I'm, I'm happy for Cam Hillis. He had an injury-shortened season, and, and uh, he'll be a great captain for, uh, for Guelph going on next season. And in, in, in keeping with the CHL, another Habs pick, well, a Habs pick in, in this year's NHL draft, the uh, 138th pick in the fifth round, uh, Frederick Dichow uh, was selected in uh, the CHL import draft, and uh, – it, it seems to be expected that he'll probably play with Malmo in the Swedish elite, uh, Swedish Hockey League, but uh, he does now have a, a team with his OHL or excuse me, his CHL rights. Yeah, Deco, uh, he's he's a big guy. Um, yeah. He was at uh, development camp. Yeah, he looked okay. He looked he looked uh, like he belonged there, and um, so uh, his his rights were taken in the import draft, but uh, I'd I'd expect to see him play in in uh, Malmo next season. And finally, we do have, uh, as you mentioned, we were talking about options within the Canadians organization to play on the back end. You mentioned the name of Brett Learnout when we were talking about guys who were affected in Laval. So we did have some qualifying offers that were extended and some that uh, were not and ultimately led to uh, three players uh, becoming unrestricted free agents. And those three are Brett Lernout, Daniel Adet, and Hunter Shinkaruk. Uh, the rest of the Habs RFAs uh, received qualifying offers, including Michael McCarron, which uh, was a little, bit of a, a little bit of a surprising move, I would say, maybe, for, uh, for those that were uh, kind of on the fence about Mike McCarron, but regardless, what did you make of, of, of that? And, uh, and obviously now we have Brett Lernout heading to unrestricted free agency. Yeah. Dan Audette, uh, I've, I've yeah. been kind of predicting that for a while. He kind of reached, um, he had a, a decent season, slow start, but a decent season. Um, and, um, yeah, the Canadians had seen, seen, um, you know, all they were going to see. And, and it was, uh, time to move away from him. Uh, Hunter Shinkarik, um, never seemed to feel at home, um, with, uh, uh, the, the Laval rocket. He, um, was signed to, uh, fill in some of that offense, uh, when Chris Terry left and, and uh, ne- never quite got there. Um, and he played well uh, when he played uh, in Utica, um, but um, yeah, he, he, he languished in the fourth line and just didn't seem to find his way. Uh, Brett Lernout is the, is the one that um, most disappointed about, uh, felt that he could have uh, uh, been called up last season um, if needed. And, um, he had a great training camp, um, uh, last fall and, um, thought he was sent down uh, a little too early. Um, you know, he's a big guy. He'll clear the front of the net. He plays with an edge. He's a good skater for a big man, gets his stick in the way. He's got a terrific shot. And I think he was a victim of, uh, Joel Bouchard going to, you know, people that he trusted, uh, like Xavier Willette. Um, and and uh, Brett Lernout didn't get the time he needed um, consistently 
um, and uh, and so the Canadians have uh, parted ways with uh, with Learnout. <laughs> yes, it's a, a tough move, I think, uh, for those that and I mean you and Amy followed Brett Learnout very closely. I was lucky enough that I covered him for one year when I was covering the Ice Caps, and and I agree with you. I think that he is going to go to a team, and and he's going to be a guy that can play that maybe a bottom pairing role in the NHL. And and that's nothing, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at because I mean, when you look at, and we just had the conversation, you look at what Montreal's paying for a bottom pairing guy at best or a depth guy compared to what might Redler now might get on an open market and go to a team and be a value pickup. And I, I truly believe that he can be that. And, and all of the things that you just said, the fact that he clears the front of the net, he's a physical guy, but he's also a fairly smooth skater for his size. Those are all things that suggest to me that he can play at the NHL level. He just needs to be given a chance, and uh, and hopefully he does get that. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll after we get got through all of that, all of the free uh, the uh, discussions about uh, the Habs news. I guess we'll get to a little bit of free agency and and the fact that the Montreal Canadiens have been linked to. Uh, Matt Duchesne and Keith Kincaid, uh, as well as uh, Wayne Simmons is worth mentioning as well. Um, it seems as though the Canadians are kind of in a two-horse race for Duchesne that includes the Nashville Predators, who cleared up a significant amount of cap space uh, in the P.K. Subban trade to New Jersey. Um, and with Keith Kincaid, I think we go back to the discussion that we were just having about cheaper alternatives, Correct. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know um, why Mark Bergevin seems to um, discount his, his own talent. Charlie Lindgren, I think, would be uh, perfect as a, as a backup for Carey Price. Um, Keith Kincaid, um, you know, uh, Keith Kincaid and, and Cam Talbot are the two uh, uh, backup goalies out there. I uh, expect that Talbot will... Um, Resign with with Philadelphia, but uh, Talbot and Kincaid uh, were two goalies. Um, we, we've talked about Steve Alaket and, and his uh, and analytics site uh, that we like, particularly with goalies. And there's uh, uh, the measure that 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 um, that he uses. That's goaltender save contribution. Um, we we talked in previous shows about Carey Price being at the very top in terms of that analytic. Uh, overall last season, uh, the bottom five uh, include Talbot and Kincaid in the league. And, and um, I, 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 I guess um, they're, they're, the Canadians are thinking that uh, Stefan Waite can uh, um, kind of rebuild his game. Uh, I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that's the case, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And, and with Matt Duchesne, I think that that's probably a name as we, with the uh, question of the week, which is uh, very simply, uh, which unrestricted free agent would you like to see the Canadian sign? Um, I think that's a name that we're going to see just a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that there are those that believe that the Canadians are, are very much in this race. But as we mentioned, with the Mike Riley signing, there isn't a whole lot that they have. I mean, when you consider the two RFAs that are left in Lekkonen and Armia, that's, you know, I'm not suggesting that those two take precedence over getting a guy like Matt Duchesne, but it's still a factor in in whether or not they can actually 
put together a, compet a competitive offer. But, uh, but do you see that this is actually something that might come to fruition? You know, when we talked about Carlson and um, it was rumored that Carlson uh, was interested uh, in uh, or at least open to Montreal and Ottawa, I, I poured kind of cold water on that, uh, thinking yeah. that it was simply an agent's tactic. Um, and I think I was proven right about that. An agent's uh, tactic to, to include a high profile place like Montreal to drive up. Uh, the interest in the price and, and all of that. Um, in this, I, I think it's um, I, I think it's it's very uh, uh, slim chance that Duchesne signs in Montreal, but but not for the same reasons as Carlson. I think you know there uh, Duchesne has talked about um, his family's uh, connection to the Canadians and and um, I think he's going to Nashville, but I, I think he did this more than um than a you know an agent's uh, strategy to drive up his price I, I i i honestly think that that he was um you know it's kind of honor his family and and check it out um i i don't think that um like i i think nashville would have to do something pretty dumb in order not to get him i also think that the canadians um if they did sign him it would put them in pretty difficult cap space as i said before they would have to unload um some salary in order to sign uh somebody like deshane and going forward we know that deshane's going to get a, a seven-year deal uh, and you mentioned the 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 contracts that have to be resigned um over the next couple of years it's gonna it it would really handcuff uh signing deshane would would handcuff this team yeah. and Duchesne is a is an elite player, but he's a complimentary player. He's not a he's not your number one guy. Um, and I don't know that that uh, to put yourself in that situation that cap situation uh, is is uh, is a really smart move. Yeah. So when we get to the question of the week, uh, we'll we'll dive in a little bit more with with what the uh, what the listeners at home are are thinking about in terms of uh, which UFA they would like to see join the Montreal Canadiens. But that'll be later on in the show. For now, uh, we're going to take just a quick break here on the Canadiens Connection podcast. But after the break, we're going to talk about the NHL entry draft and development camp, which uh, is with the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll get to the responses in the third segment to the question of the week. But for right now, we're going to take a quick break. So stay with us here on Canadiens Connection. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. 
In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadian Connection podcast. Rick and myself last week were in Vancouver for the 2019 NHL entry draft uh, with the Rocket Sports team and, and some contest winners, some, some great people. It was, and you and Amy discussed that on the From the Press Box uh, podcast, the latest episode of that. So if you want to hear about the, uh, the experience with the, with the great group of people, uh, a Red Wings fan named Jake who kind of sort of became or, or kind of sort of went viral, <laughs> then you can listen to the From the Press Box podcast and, and hear a little bit about that, uh, which I encourage you to do. But uh, with the uh, the picks themselves for the Montreal Canadiens that we're going to talk about, me, Rick and myself, we, we suggested some names on the last episode of this podcast and uh, we were uh, we went 0 for uh, with uh, with our picks. <laughs> uh, Rick's uh, kind of uh, kind of went a little bit earlier, and uh, one of mine went early. Uh, Broberg, and then Newhook I think was Newhook was the next pick, and then Thomas Harley was the 19th pick I believe, or somewhere in that area. But uh, they went with uh, Cole Caulfield, who kind of sort of slipped. I think that. He was a bit of a divisive figure in that NHL in, in that draft, and you discussed that on the From the Press Box podcast. But he wasn't necessarily expected to be around for 15, and I think the Montreal Canadiens felt compelled by that. And uh, obviously, when you look at a guy that scored 70 plus goals and is is a prolific goal scorer, which the Montreal Canadiens have lacked for quite some time, I think they couldn't pass up on this. But uh, but what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, you know, for the record, uh, my picks were uh, Marit Sider, um, Victor Soderstrom, and uh, Cam York, all defensemen. Um, I was looking for a defenseman in the first round. Unfortunately, uh, as we sat there, um, we were kind of stroking off uh, the picks <laughs> as their um, uh, Sider was taken at six by the Red Wings, uh, Soderstrom at 11 uh, by the Coyotes. And in fact, they traded up with uh, the Flyers to get that pick. And then just before the Canadians um, uh, at 14, the, the uh, Flyers took uh, Cam York. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I, I think that, uh, as you said, the Canadians couldn't pass him up uh, with him sitting uh, with uh, Cole Caulfield sitting there. 
um, and uh, the immediate spark to the offense that he can uh, can provide. Um, just a, an outstanding sniper, elite hands, um, and just a, a lethal shot, uh, as as evidenced by his uh, 72 goals with the United States uh, development program um, last season. Um, now he did drop, and um, you know, I, I there was some some. Uh, immediately after he was taken, there was some discussion on Twitter whether uh, he could be injected into the Canadians lineup in the fall and uh, help for the power play and all those kinds of things. That's, that's a bit of a pipe dream. Um, I yeah. think I, um, there are reasons why um, uh, Cole Caulfield did slip to 15. And I think we have to be honest about that so that uh, not to criticize him, but so that we develop patience and I think that's the hardest thing for uh, Canadians fans. Um, so it's our job to to uh, kind of preach patience and show why he may not have have um, uh, been in in the the top ten. Um, and in fact, um, he was a very polarizing. When you talk to uh, scouts, he was a very polarizing um, prospect. Um, I, at least half of the prospect, uh, half of the scouts saw him as a second round pick. Uh, why was that? Well, the obvious one is his size. And, um, you know, Alex DeBrincat is used as the uh, kind of poster child of uh, you can play in the NHL if you're a smaller player, but let's remember that Alex DeBrincat went at number 39. He was a second round pick. Um, so there was some discussion about that. And, and the size issue is, is um, about um, strength um, and, and being able to be, uh, you know, knocked off the puck. Um, and uh, uh, that's something that, that, um, he, you know, he's just not ready for um, and uh, he'll have to work on um, while he's at uh, the university of Wisconsin, the Badgers with uh, former NHL or Tony Granato as the head coach. Um he needs to get stronger. Um, he needs to be more engaged when he doesn't have the puck. He's a guy who obviously loves scoring goals. And he's got that big, bright smile. Um, not so much engaged when he doesn't have the puck. Um, he needs to work on his his uh, his defensive game. Uh, there's not much there as far as a defensive game goes. And and you know he was on a stacked team with the national development program and and they were usually up by a healthy margin and 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 maybe didn't have to work so hard on his defensive game while there it'll change when he goes to Wisconsin um and I think he's got more options to his arsenal other than the shot the shot is um lethal it's phenomenal uh but he's seen as a one-dimensional player and um which is not like Debrinkat. Debrinkat has a, a playmaker aspect to, to his game. Um, yeah. And the other thing is he's going to have to improve his skating. Skating is not uh, one of his strengths. He's got, uh, you know, he's got uh, bursts, um, but um, skating is not, um, he's not the most agile guy, especially for a, um, a, a, a guy of his size. So all of that, um, as Granado said, and Granado was asked for a, um, an assessment, he said, yeah, he's, he's got maturing to do. He's got uh, developing to do. And um, um, let's, let's see him do that with the University of Wisconsin 
Badgers. It's 90 minutes from his, uh, uh, from where he grew up and, um, um, and he'll be there in Wisconsin with uh, fellow Habs prospect, Jack Gorniak. And, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I think that's the best route for him. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you know, I think that Cole Caulfield was, when, when I was asked about a month ago by one of my friends who I thought the Canadians should pick in around that time, Cole Caulfield was in that area. And there's just something about the fact that he scored 72 goals and, and it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, and I know that a lot of Habs fans have gone a little bit overboard. As you say, maybe he plays next. No, he does not play on the Canadians next year. That's not happening. But when you look at a future where, and a lot of people have attributed a lot of his success to playing with Jack Hughes and whether or not you believe that, I think that, well, I mean, when you look at the Canadians and, and what they need and what they already have, well, I mean, Nick Suzuki, and we're going to talk about the development camp in just a few minutes. The idea of having Nick Suzuki on that right side of the power play, maybe working off the boards, and then a guy like Cole Caulfield, who is very skilled at finding the quiet areas and getting into positions where the defense doesn't really see him or doesn't cover him. That's something that intrigues me going forward and the fact that the Canadiens' power play was just so atrocious. But I think that there's something that, that, that to be said for a little bit of optimism that wasn't there before. And if you look at the past two drafts, and really you can include three, because if you go back to 2017 when you pick Ryan Paling and then you pick Yusperi uh, Kotkaniemi, you would hope that out of those two that one of those will emerge as a number one centerman and that looks like it would probably be Chuck Miami more than Paling, but Paling still looks pretty good. And now that you've got a guy that who could probably be a consistent goal scorer in the NHL, you would hope he's done it at every stage to this point, but this is the toughest hurdle to make getting to the NHL and being consistent once you get there. But it's still a guy that could be that guy that the Montreal Canadiens really haven't had for, a really long time, and, and you couple that with a guy who, in Kotkaniemi, who might be that number one centerman, and there's a real hope, there's real optimism in Montreal for the first time in a while, so while I was expecting them to take a defenseman, once I saw that Caulfield was available, that was the guy that uh, I was hoping that they would pick, uh, and, and obviously Cam York going just to pick ahead of Montreal kind of solidified that for me, but uh Regardless, uh, it was uh, it was a pretty good draft for the Canadians as well. When you consider that their next three picks were then left-handed uh, defensemen, that uh, that is something that the Canadians were very much uh, looking to upgrade, uh, and uh, and they did that with uh, Jaden Struble, uh, Matthias Norlander, and uh, Gianni Fairbrother. So they still addressed that need, uh, but Caulfield being available, I think, kind of altered. Their, uh, their plans a little bit with, as it pertained to the 15th overall pick. Um, but yeah, so now with that all said, and, and Caulfield, he did take to the ice with, uh, with the Habs development camp underway. And, uh, and he maybe wasn't the guy that took the spotlight, or, or at least he wasn't the guy that turned heads in the way that maybe a Ryan Palin did at, at, the, uh, at the Habs development camp. But what, what did you think? 
Well, I, I think uh, some fans thought that uh, every time he touched the puck, he was going to score. And uh, over the there was three uh, scrimmages at development camp. Uh, he didn't. He had plenty of shots, but he did not score um, uh, at least uh, at even strength um, in those three scrimmages. And and uh, um, I think it was Rob Ramage that said, "Oh, he, you know, he faced some good goaltending." Well, at the NHL level, he's going to see better than the likes of Connor Lacouve, and and so he's going to have to uh, adapt. Now, having said that, uh, he went two for three in the shootout and. Um, uh, he he obviously was the center of attention. Canadians fans very excited to see him. They, every time he touched the puck, they were oohs and ahs about his shot, and and uh, so he 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 brought uh, excitement to Brassard, and um, and and seemed to be having a great time uh, while he was there. A big smile on his on his face uh, the entire time. Um, the 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 guys that um, I think that. Well, that turned my head. Um, I, whoever you talk about from development camp, Ryan Paling was head and shoulders uh, above. Uh, yeah. Ryan Paling um, was it was a men against boys situation. Ryan pa- Paling was playing at another level than uh, anyone there. Um, he he was making rushes. He was turning people inside out. Um, is maybe holding on to the puck uh, a little too long at times because it seems so easy for him. Uh, and he made yeah. a couple of mistakes in that regard, mistakes he won't make at the NHL level. Um, but, you know, as Rob Ramage says, uh, you know, he's since drafted, he's, he's uh, uh, put on 40 pounds. Um, he's gotten much stronger. His skating's better. Um, he looked, uh, you know, he can, he can waltz right into the Montreal Canadiens, um, uh, roster. Um, and yes, of course he'll have to earn his spot at training camp, but he looked very, very good, um, in, in the development camp. Yeah. And, and obviously, as you said, it was, it was a man amongst boys. And when you put on that amount of, of you add that weight, you add that muscle, it was it was to be expected that he would look as dominant as he did, and yeah, I think that when you look at next season, a lot of people I would imagine think that Ryan Paling and Nick Suzuki are probably going for the same roster spot. It's probably going to be one of them, if you know, if it comes down to it. But Ryan Paling, I think, would edge out in that particular race because he just looks physically dominant and prepared to battle on a nightly basis in the NHL. Whereas as we were discussing before when we went on the air, Nick Suzuki probably needs a little bit more seasoning before he gets to the point where he can do what he did in the OHL at the NHL level. And, and that maybe not even that because that's, that's a tough thing to do, but before he becomes a consistent NHL player probably uh, needs a little bit of seasoning in the AHL. Yeah, I think at this development camp, Nick Suzuki was a little overshadowed uh, by the other uh, players. You know, he had a spectacular uh, playoff run and, and, um, and with Guelph and, and into the Memorial Cup. Um, uh, he, he de- in my mind, he needs a full season in Laval. Um, the other guys who really stood out for me, at least the forwards at development camp, were Jesse uh, Yelonen, and he was, oh, he's, he's, 
just a beautiful skater. I'd love to watch him yeah. skate. Um, his his uh, his endurance, um, his uh, ability to be effective in all three zones, his work ethic. Um, just just below uh, Paling, I would say Yelonen was there. At a next level with respect to forwards, um, I think uh, Jake Evans, um, you know, who played in Laval his first pro season last year um, and had some injuries and had a great start, but kind of tailed off towards the end. And I think Jake Evans, hey, remember me, kind of, uh, he had one of those kind of development camps. And uh, Rhett Pitlick was the other one. Um, I like this pick. Uh, I think it's a was a really good value pick uh, in the fifth round for for the Canadians, um, and there was there was some commonality with respect to Pitlick, Norlander, who I really like. And Norlander, we should say that uh, he broke his hand, fractured his hand doing weights, and and so he was pretty disappointed that he couldn't be at uh, development camp. Um, was Canadian second round pick at uh, number fifty six, just a. Uh, yeah, raw power. Uh, really, uh, a pro- going to be a project, but uh, lots of raw power. But but Struble, Norlander, and Pitlick um, skating, all excellent skaters, all high compete levels, and uh, the energy level that Pitlick showed, um, he, he kind of um, it kind of boxes himself in. He holds on to the puck too long, and he's going to have to work on that. But uh, I I thought he had a, a very good development camp. Th- that's my. Those would be my uh, head turners or standouts of uh, with respect to the forwards at development camp. Yeah, and I agree with you on on Rep Pitlick. By the way, I I really like that pick in in a draft where when you looked at the three picks that the Montreal Canadiens made after Caulfield, it felt like it was going to be the left defenseman or the uh, the order of the day. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, but Rep Pitlick was a change in that he's a left winger. He's a guy that brings a lot of speed and a lot of energy. And that's something that you can't really have enough of. And especially as you get into those later rounds, those are the guys that go on to be effective NHLers, at least in my view. When you look at a fifth round pick, one guy that might sound a little bit familiar, but a little bit of a different skill set, a little bit of a different situation is Brendan Gallagher. So the fifth round pick in Rhett Pitlick, it might be a little bit of a different scenario. Pitlick a little bit more raw maybe than Gallagher was, but when you look at the way that those guys create their paths to the NHL, it's by working harder than everyone else. And I think that that's what Pitlick is going to do. And I think that he's got the tools. It's just about honing his craft. And as he goes on and as he progresses and as he develops, I think that's going to be something to watch. I I think that he might be someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Maybe you have to keep your hopes a little bit more realistic than, saying that every fifth round pick is Brendan Gallagher. But when you look at maybe some of the tools that he has, you know, he could be a, he could be a decent NHL player. And, uh, and I, I do like his speed. And, and, and you mentioned, uh, Jesse Yelonen. I was really last, last year's draft 2018. I was, I really liked what the Montreal Canadiens did. That's his two back-to-back drafts now where I've, I've liked what they've done. And Jesse Yelonen is a guy that I think, you look at the way that he plays and, and we saw a little bit at the world juniors and we saw a little bit in in development camp camp, obviously he's somebody that when you look at the way that he plays the game, he just, he plays the right way. And, and that's very much 
in line with what you get out of Arturi Lekkinen. That's very much in line with what you get out of a lot of Finnish players, where they just play an honest game. And that's something where if you look at the Montreal Canadiens as potentially mining Finland for hockey players, for really good hockey players, the same way that Detroit famously did for, for Swedish-born hockey players, then this is something that the Montreal Canadiens might be a little bit ahead of the curve on. And if you get a lot of guys that play the same way, that have the same ideal uh, ideas about how to play the game, then eventually you're going to have a team that works really hard and works well together. And you're picking up so many of these quality guys, especially, uh, you know, when you look at Yelonen and your draft, Jesperi Kutkiniemi as well, you know, you're, you're stockpiling a lot of, of solid, reliable players. And that's something that you, uh, you can't overlook. So uh, yeah, I think the back two back-to-back drafts for the Canadians where they've, they've really, they've done well. So and that shows in the development camp. And and I think uh, not to, not to overfocus on Rhett Pitlick, but it gives you uh, an insight into the Canadians' draft strategy. And and Shane Churler talked about um, uh, with respect to Pitlick, he's he's one of those guys that uh, has a motor that's always running. Um, yeah. So if he runs into um, issues, he's he's going to find you know if 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 um, he goes a couple of games and, and the hands aren't working. He finds other ways to contribute. And it's, it's that compete level and worth work ethic that um, there it's, it's pretty common through the, uh, the draft selections. Um, that's obviously something that the Canadians were looking at. And, and um, just to make a nod towards the elephant in the room um, at the draft, it was very obvious uh, that Raphael Lavoie wanted to be um, <laughs> selected by the Montreal Canadiens at 15. And when he wasn't, he was very disappointed. Um, and he went through the entire first, dra- uh, first round and wasn't selected. And we even heard uh, that the Canadians were hoping that that decision would be taken out of their hands in the second <laughs> round. They, had, they wanted no part of Raphael Lavoie. And they, but they didn't want it to get to their pick and him still be on the board uh, just because of the uh, political sensitivities around that. Um, and the concerns with him were about compete level, about work ethic. And, and it's something the Canadians in their draft strategy value so highly. Um, and, and it's, it's uh, something we saw right, right through throughout. Um, we should probably uh, take a look at a couple of the defensive standouts um, at the development camp. Um, and for me, uh, the, the one um, that uh, showed a little bit more than others was Otto Leskinen. And uh, of course a new signing there. And, and um, he looks like he's heading to Laval, but could he be an option uh, for the Canadians? We'll see. He teamed up with Paling, uh, had a nice goal. Um, I, I liked Les, Les, Leskinen. He's smart. I liked his skating. I liked the way he worked. Um, and uh, at a next level, I would say Josh Brook, uh, who will be in, back in Laval uh, again uh, this year, and uh, uh, Jordan Harris uh, would be the the other the other player. And uh, he'll be at um, uh, Northeastern next year. Yeah, and and we should mention that. Uh, while that was happening, while development camp was going on, Alexander Romanov was in Montreal, but uh, because of his commitments in Russia, 
was unable to actually participate with the team, with the Habs prospects. But he did he did skate by himself, uh, and and he was just getting a feel for uh, the environment in Montreal as well. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, but yes, uh, I'll I I was actually I mean when we talk about and, and we've had a counter on how many signings Mark Bergevin has made since the season has ended. That was one that I actually didn't mind because it looks as though he has some actual upside. And I think that he might be someone that could potentially turn heads come training camp. Maybe he gets a little bit of a longer look than some other guys, particularly on that left side, which as we've, uh, as we've mentioned, and because it was a focus at the NHL draft, it, it wasn't great for the Montreal Canadiens last year. And, uh, Maybe he's somebody that gets a little bit of a longer look at training camp, and, and I think his play at development camp is, is giving a lot of, uh, of reason for hope for him going forward. Um, but, yeah, it, it's something that when you look at that left side of defense and, and Johnny Fairbrother, as you mentioned as well, he, he scored a goal in, uh, in development camp. So there, there's reason for a little bit of optimism on that left side, and uh, – and unfortunately, we didn't get to see Norlander as well. So there, there are some, some decent-looking prospects that are starting to come about with the left side of the defense. Yeah, fair brother, uh, third-round pick. Um, met him, talked to him. Nice guy, a nice family. Um, and uh, he, one of the, the scrimmages, he ended up with three goals. And so he, yeah. he's got a bit of offense. Nice shot. Um, and so, uh, you know, Last season was uh, the focus was obviously on the center position. This year, uh, a little more on the defense, and uh, looks like the Canadians have uh, added uh, Trevor Timmons and his team have added to the prospect pool. And it, it was really shocking when uh, when he did score those goals because when you read up on his style of play, you you look at what he what he was and what he does it's he's more of the the safe defenseman he's not necessarily mm-hmm. known for that as well as as much as struble and maybe norlander and unfortunately as i said we didn't get to see norlander but yeah that's that's a little bit of a he's more of the safe just safe pair of hands guy that you trust on that on the back end but uh yeah at least he's got a little bit of an offensive touch if he can score three in uh, one scrimmage so we'll see how uh how that all unfolds for him uh, going forward maybe he's got a little bit more than he's maybe he's got more than he's shown who knows at uh development camp uh goaltenders it's tough to be a goaltender at development camp um (laughs) and uh, because there's a lot of offense um there was a a couple of tryouts three tryouts uh that were added um deco we we mentioned uh before and 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 um he looked pretty good um uh, Caden Primo, who obviously had uh, a pretty special season uh, at Northeastern last year. And that Northeastern pipeline, um, um, I mentioned Jordan Harris there. Uh, Struble uh, will also be there uh, this season. Uh, but it was I thought it was interesting that uh, Mark Bergevin, when he was asked about his goaltending situation, uh, said that he was going to explore, um, uh, you know, what was available as far as experienced backups, although, um, you know, he, he had Charlie Lindgren who could fill that role. And he mentioned that he wanted to make sure that Caden Primo got enough time in uh, Laval um, uh, this, uh, this coming season did not mention Michael McNiven at all, which was uh, 
maybe telling, maybe not. Um, and the other goaltender who uh, was one of those fringe signings is Connor Lacouve. And Connor Lacouve is, um, you know, he's he's uh, he's a guy who enjoys the game. Uh, not a lot of technical skill. He's not a very structured goalie. He was uh, flipping and flopping and swimming uh, through development camp, which is his <laughs> style. Uh, likely will uh, end up in the ECHL, but but is there for backup for Lavelle if uh, if needed. Yeah, and uh, goaltending certainly the position I would think of, of strength for the Montreal Canadiens and. But maybe not the not the one that was not the position that was on display because obviously with the uh, with goaltenders it does take a little bit more time and then with with Caden Primo I think that you've got a little bit of hope in that position but you've already got Carey Price so you're you're probably pretty good for that uh, as the focus has kind of shifted towards adding more firepower and some help on the back end so maybe not the position to watch in this development but uh, anyways Caden Primo somebody that. Uh, that there are there is a little bit of hope and optimism around what he could potentially be going forward, and who knows maybe it's it's a position of strength that you use to maybe help out in one of your weaker positions in a trade. Who knows? Uh, so we'll see how that all uh, unfolds as we head towards training camp and see if any of those guys maybe uh, maybe catch some eyes. Who knows? Uh, so uh, with. All of that said, with all the focus on uh, the development camp, I guess we'll take just a quick break, the last break of of this show. And uh, when we come back, we've already discussed a little bit about free agency and potentially uh, adding a guy like a Matt Duchesne or Keith Kincaid. We're going to turn it over to you, the lovely listeners, and and see what you have to say in uh, response to this question. Uh, who do you think, or, or excuse me, which unrestricted free agent would you like to see signed by the Montreal Canadiens? So we're going to get to those answers after the final break of the Canadiens Connection. Stay with us. The Canadiens Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. 
Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. My name is Joseph Whalen. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. Uh, you can follow Rick on Twitter at AllHabs. And this podcast has its own Twitter account. Follow at Habs Connection and follow Habs, to Habs Connection on Instagram and, uh, and Facebook as well. So, as we said, we're going to open it up for discussion with the question of the week, which is simply which res- unrestricted free agent would you like to see signed by the Montreal Canadiens? And earlier this show, we were discussing the probability or the likelihood of the Canadiens potentially getting a guy like Matt Duchesne, who is the big fish when it, uh, when it comes to the, uh, this unrestricted free agency class. Uh, but there's also been other names that have been thrown out there, a Keith Kincaid, maybe a Wayne Simmons. So let's dive in and see what, the, uh, what, what people are saying on Twitter. Uh, we have Martin saying Duchesne all in. We have uh, Conrad Duchesne seven years at 9.5 and uh, then leave him exposed at the expansion draft. Uh, three benefits. You get that in this year. You make a run, no cap issues next year and you don't lose anyone else on your roster. That is a, that's, that's a nice strategy in theory. Uh, you have Mike Pavelski. Uh, that's an interesting one. Seems like he might be headed to uh, Tampa Bay. Or, uh, or Dallas, I think, are the, are the two teams that have been kind of thrown out there for him. Uh, you have Fred saying Ryan Dezingle, Jake Gardner, Brett Conley, Michael Furlan, and Anders Lee would be who I'm looking at realistically. Yes, I would love Duchesne or Panarin. And, uh, yeah, those are some interesting names thrown out there at the, at the beginning. I think Anders Lee is someone that, that at least I'm a little bit intrigued by. Uh, but, uh, again, it's uh, money is a bit of a concern, I would think. Uh, you have Jarvis saying Nyquist. That's a, that's an interesting name, or maybe another former Detroit Red Wing. Thomas Tatar worked out pretty good, so who knows? Uh, and then you have uh, Bay Bye saying bring in Duchesne and ship out Drewan, which hey, uh, that that wouldn't I wouldn't argue there. <laughs> and uh, you have some others as well that are just saying to uh, like you have uh, Propa saying no one. Give that money to Deneau, Gallagher, Kotkaniemi, Paling, and Domi. So it seems as though there are people that would like to see uh, Pavelski, Duchesne. We even have uh, Gino saying Duchesne and Simmons. <laughs> but uh, there are those that believe that maybe the money should be just uh, just saved. And uh, I, I guess that's something that Mark Bergevin's done before, so why not do it again? Uh, but uh, what's Facebook saying? You can join the conversation on Facebook. Just look for All Habs uh, in the search bar. Uh, type in All Habs, all one word. It's the All Habs fan page on Facebook. We've got tons of responses here. Um, Nick Pereira says, I like Deshane. He's the one to go after. He's the right age. I feel that he'll fit well with the boys. 
Uh, Dan Hickey says Mitch Marner. Well, um, that would be a, a hostile <laughs> offer sheet, I guess. And, and yeah. um, I'm not sure how far that would go. Uh, Dave <laughs> Gorman says, um, I don't think they should sign to Shane um, unless they could dump a player or two, for example, Duran. All right. Um, David goes on to say they need a left defenseman who can help on the power play. Um, and if you're looking at a, a left-handed defenseman via the uh, free agent market, I guess um, Jake Gardner is the one you're looking at. I'm, I'm, I, I would, I wouldn't like to see that move. Uh, I'd prefer, um, you know, if, uh, and I've been saying it for a while, um, that the Canadians go the trade route, uh, yeah. and that would be, um, you know, we we spoke about it prior to the the trade deadline in March um, that uh, Shane Goss's beer has been uh, available for some time and uh, would, would be a real nice piece uh, and fit well next to Shea Weber. Um, Kulikov, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, I've mentioned this before as well. Winnipeg Jets are in cap trouble. Uh, they're looking to unload Kulikov, although Kulikov isn't in the same uh, category as Goss's beer. He could help on the left side and by taking on a big contract, you might be able to pry away from them, like the army might be able to bring me out to this piece and could uh, help out Lavelle uh, until he's ready. Um, yeah. Back to uh, sorry, uh, go ahead uh, before I uh, you can chime in on any of that before I continue with Facebook. Uh, I was going to say something, and. Uh, seemingly forgotten what I was going to add, but with respect to Goss Bear, ah, yes, I remember now. With respect to Goss Bear, um, I think that most would probably expect as well in any trade that the Montreal Canadiens are a part of, we've mentioned that the money is becoming a little bit of a, a little bit of a premium for the Montreal Canadiens at this, at this moment. So I would expect probably it. And we've both said this, that Andrew Shaw is probably going to be a casualty with respect to the cap space. And uh, coming off a career year as well, it's probably best to sell high on him. So if that gets you an opportunity to get a Shane Gosses bear or maybe opens up the door for other unrestricted free agents, then I'm on board with that. Yeah, let's uh, I, I, I love the way Andrew Shaw played. He had a career season last year. Uh, but if Andrew Shaw is not traded this this summer, it's a failure for Mark Bergevin because yeah. um, he he needs to be traded while, while he still has uh, some value. Uh, Spence McAvera says the best left-handed defenseman available. Uh, James Lemacrant says uh, Wayne Simmons for one year uh, to improve the power play. Let's, let's uh, disavow some people of uh, Wayne. Sim- I, I know there's a, a bit of a mythology around Wayne Simmons. Uh, he's not the player. If you haven't seen him in a while, he's not the player that, um, uh, you might remember, uh, of course, in his prime, he he was uh, very effective in front of the net, added to the Flyers' power play. Um, and uh, but even then, he was an extremely when he was when he was solid, he was an extremely streaky player. Uh, and it's been a while since he's been at his peak, and he's declined. And and one of the reasons that he was dealt uh, by the Flyers went to the Nashville Predators, and the Predators believe it or not, had a worse power play than the Montreal Canadiens. And one of the reasons they acquired Simmons is because uh, they expected uh, him to fix that. 
he did not. He actually did very little for the Predators. And um, one of the reasons why uh, he wasn't re-signed in Nashville. The other is his, you know, he's coming off of a $5 million per year contract. And he's certainly not worth anything near that um, right now. Um, Let me just read one more. And that is from uh, Mario Regina, who advises, um, just keep in mind that, uh, that, uh, uh, Matt Duchesne is not a Quebecois player um, and uh, I think they're, they're thinking that uh, he's uh, uh, Mario's thinking that uh, that the name has fooled um, some people um, but we're getting all kinds of, of responses I think that uh, that the Canadians will stay away from bigger free agents um, you know, certainly the ones we've mentioned, uh, whether it's Gardner, whether it's DeShane, whether it's certainly Panarin and, and Bobrovsky and, and all of those, um, uh, and, uh, Anders Lee, um, and, uh, improve via the trade. And that would also, um, if it was a trade opportunity would, uh, equalize the money out, uh, which the cap is a concern as we've been saying through this whole show. Yeah. So it remains to be seen what the Montreal Canadiens are uh, going to do during free agency, but there, there have been some ideas that have been thrown out there just right now with, uh, with respect to how the Canadians should uh, go into free agency. Matt Duchesne, a uh, name that's been uh, catching a lot of the attention of, uh, of Habs fans. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, any of that comes to fruition. So, um, yeah, so 48 hours to go until free agency opens up. So that's always a fun time of year. And we look forward to seeing if the Montreal Canadiens are active during uh, that period of time. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, we'll sign off of uh, this episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. We appreciate those who have powered through with us, and we uh, certainly hope that you don't catch a head cold listening to this podcast. Because I mean, who knows? That could be a possibility at this point. But uh, we uh, but thank you nonetheless for uh, for listening uh, to the podcast. And and as we always say. There are three other fabulous podcasts here on uh, Rocket Sports Radio. You've got the uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast, the Have a Listen podcast, and From the Press Box that are all coming out in association with Rocket Sports Radio and allhabs.net, as well as some great content on allhabs.net, specifically as we head towards the free agency period. Absolutely. Have a Listen has a new um, a podcast out. Drop one this week. So does From the Press Box. Uh, you have us live and on demand, um, so uh, find us uh, at uh, allhabs.net, uh, find us at Rocket Sports Radio, and, and uh, we've got tons of content, and, and whether the Canadians make moves or not will be available for you. We'll be monitoring everything. You might be busy with your July 1st uh, <laughs> celebrations, uh, but uh, we'll be on duty and, and uh, keeping track of everything, so watch for us on, on social media. Uh, and we'll be uh, commenting there. Um, and in the meantime, yeah, we'll, I'll take care of this this fever and, and throat, and, and uh, we'll be we'll be back to report on uh, everything uh, next week. Um, before then, I just want to um, say thank you again to the uh, the Rocket Sports team, all of us who uh, were in uh, Vancouver. Um, to uh, witness the draft and, and for those who, who stay behind and, uh, and 
man the home front to be able to uh, put out our content and our draft trackers. Um, and, and for those amazing contest winners, we had a great group of, of uh, almost 40 people uh, who won the contest, won those tickets, and had a great time. It was a, a sincere pleasure to uh, be with you at the draft, to meet with you uh, before and after uh, for uh, a beverage or two and something to eat. And, and you're all great hockey fans from, from all over uh, the NHL, and it was, uh, it's always a pleasure to meet you. Um, I wish a, a happy Canada Day to, uh, to my family, friends, and, and, and followers, and also uh, to the, the good folks south of the border. Uh, happy Fourth of July uh, coming up this week. And uh, as I said, watch for us um, in the uh, July 1st uh, free agent period. Yeah, it's gonna <clears throat> it's gonna be a great time. Excuse me, and uh, yeah, you can you can search for uh, all of the uh, Rocket Sports Radio podcasts as I mentioned on your favorite podcasting platforms: Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. All of those you can search for Rocket Sports Radio. Hit that subscribe button, and you get all uh, all four of our fabulous podcasts here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, so yes, as Rick said, Happy Canada Day, Happy Fourth of July. And uh, hopefully you don't spend it uh, coughing and sneezing like us. So uh, have a have a great Fourth uh, of July. Have a great Canada Day. We'll be back with you this time next week at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2:30 Newfoundland time to discuss all things NHL free agency and Montreal Canadiens. But until then, thank you for tuning in to the Canadian Connection. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.